0: Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Fantasy Hockey Picks and Bets right here on the Mayo Media Network. I am Chris Mini. Two games on the ice tonight. We have Chicago and Nashville. The Preds came back last night. 3-2 win. A beautiful overtime goal from Roman Yossi. We have Ottawa and Vancouver. The second game, two of three straight between these two teams. It was Vancouver Put up a touchdown on the send 7-1. If you're just new to the show, welcome. Thanks again for taking the time to hang out. Like, subscribe to the Mayo Media Network. Subscribe to this show. Leave five stars. Leave a comment in the YouTube section. I want to see more comments. I want to see the player that you picked up, a player that maybe you're dropping, your favorite pick of the night, maybe your favorite DFS pick of the night. Uh, lots of picks over at FTN. If you're looking for a subscription over there, ftnbets.com, ftndaily.com. You can use the promo code Mini. You can use the promo code Mayo. It's all good. A decent day over there. Four for four on the totals, eight for three on the props. So hopefully we can keep things going on this show here today. We're going to talk about those two games, ads, drops, and just some NHL talk in general with one of the best in the business. We got... Pete Jensen from NHL Network. He is the senior fantasy editor over there and the co-host of NHL Fantasy on Ice three times a week. Give him a follow at NHL Jensen. If you're a hockey fan, you should be following this guy. Pete, welcome. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for taking the time to join me today, man.
1: Oh, great to be on with you. And yeah, it's uh, always fun, right? No matter what uh, show or platform we're talking, anytime we get a few minutes to to talk hockey and Uh, Talk general trends is uh, one of my favorite things. So great to be on with you, Chris.
0: Yes, um, absolutely. I second that. So let's, before we get into the games, we're two weeks into the season now. We're starting to see some trends, like you said. Any takeaways, any surprises? Who's caught your eye so far two weeks in?
1: Well, definitely. I mean, no team can be underestimated, especially on those second ends of the back-to-backs. And then we've seen some surprise teams out there like Certainly the LA Kings are a surprise to me out West. And then in the East, like the New Jersey Devils with what Jack Hughes has been able to do. And just when you look at a team on paper and you have low expectations and you kind of solidify them at the bottom of the division, that goes for a couple of teams out there, including the Devils, including the Senators. I think you'll still see uh, them catch some teams by surprise. And just like with how good Hughes has been from a scoring standpoint uh, being really a top 100 overall fantasy player without a doubt when he came into se- the season as right, a really deep sleeper after the underachieving last season, I think speaks volumes about his uh, confidence, uh, the training he did in the long off season for the devils. And uh, now he's really lighting, lighting a fire in his game and, and fantasy owners are taking full advantage. So hopefully you picked him up in late rounds and you're, Reaping the rewards of that from Jack Hughes.
0: Yeah, no kidding. He's looked really good. What do you think the biggest difference is? Obviously, confidence is one thing, right? I mean, you're you're playing as a as a rookie. He had seven goals and twenty-one points last year. He was minus twenty-six on a you know, a bad hockey team. 61 games played so far this season. Three goals, seven points. He's a plus one. I mean, we could laugh at plus minus all we want, but you know, he played 15 minutes per game last year. Pete, he's flirting with 19 minutes per game. A confidence thing, he, he looks Stronger, bigger. He looks quicker. I mean, to me, when I watch him play, confidence stands out. Like he's holding on to the puck a little bit longer. What, what do you think is the difference from year one and year two with him?
1: I think it's a couple of things. I think definitely his usage. Uh, he's been unleashed in a way uh, by new coach Lindy Ruff compared to John Hines last year and then the interim guy. So it's, uh, I think that's a key thing. It was a fresh start. You look back to last year. The Devils were one of the most improved teams of the offseason, and it was Taylor Hall's contract year, and they had just gotten Suban and they kind of fell with a dud early on in the season. And then it was just like a negative aura around that team, and they sold a couple of pieces at the deadline. Now it's like a fresh start, and like nobody took them seriously. Nobody expected them to compete even in that really tough, arguably the toughest division in the East with all those teams like Philly and Boston and Washington, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, etc. So, yeah, I think that like like his off season training. I know he trained a lot with Quinn Hughes, his older brother, because they were spending so much time together in quarantine and stuff. So that's a huge thing. Hit um, the coaching and how he's being used in the lineup is maybe the biggest thing. And then just the general expectations and like the Devils are out to prove everybody wrong. Whereas last year, everybody expected big things from them, and they fell flat on their face. I think
0: yeah, the East Division, I think, is the toughest. I mean, it's it's yeah. bloodbath. What do you make of the Rangers star? One, four and one, they got three points. I know you're getting a lot of questions about certain Ranger players um, underperforming to start the season. what What do you make of New York? Six games in? Is it panic mode yet or is it just let's relax?
1: Yeah, I think that like the coaching thing is a big concern for a lot of people. This is now two years running that we've seen capo caco uh be pr- not even marginally fantasy relevant and then this year it's alexi Lafreniere who i believe still doesn't have a point through six games this year so uh, that's concerning and then igor shesterkin is a guy that people took in the top 50 overall fantasy rankings for season-long leagues and he has no wins at this point i mean we're talking about a guy like scott wedgwood out there having what two wins and Jeez, some yeah. backup goalies out there having one or two wins at this point. So that's concerning. I mean, that's why people are asking, should I drop Shesterkin for say John Gibson, or should I drop Shesterkin for a rookie out there like Kakinen, who's from the wild playing a bunch of games here with Cam Talbot day to day, but back to the Rangers it's just like some of their defensive holes that we saw exposed in the playoffs. Unfortunately for them, it's carrying over to the regular season. And we're not seeing that same dynamite value from even Panarin and Zabanajad so far. So I do expect the Rangers to come around a little bit here. But the longer that these struggles continue, I think it's going to be pinned on uh, Coach David Quinn because not being able to implement uh, some of these really highly talented young players early and often is a big concern for everybody, I would say.
0: Yeah. There's just way too much talent on that team to, to, to not compete anyways. Like, I don't think they are a lock. I don't think they are a lock heading in. We just talked about the division being so tough, but there's way too much talent on the team for them to have this kind of start that they've had Mika Zabinajad has been slow. Yeah. I, I don't know if I would drop Shashurkin. I don't think that I would, I think I would hang on and be patient. I, I believe that the talent is certainly there, but Gibson may be a guy that yeah. uh, people may want to get on their rosters. Yeah. <laughs> maybe
1: for Gibson. <laughs>
0: yeah. He's pretty good. Uh, we've been talking about him a lot on this show too. He's He always seems to be underpriced on daily sites and, you know, the Mm -hmm. saves pile up. And, you know, he was really good, of course, last night. Uh, Cues over to Ty Smith over to the top 10 added players in Yahoo formats over the past 24 hours or so. Ty Smith uses teammate with the Devils up at the top. 28% 28% ownership. He's been added in over 5,000 leagues with Connor Murphy in there. This is a great guy. You know, if you're playing in hits and blocks uh, leagues, he can help you out there. Tyler Pertuzzi has shown up on the score sheet lately. Uh, he's a nice little player. I know he plays in the devils, but he's a good player. Pavelski was just undrafted Pete everywhere across the board. I, I don't, maybe COVID this, you're not, not playing for the first week and a half. I, I, su- I suppose that had something to do with it. We had some fun with Eric on Monday, just how he had four points in his first First game and it took him twelve games last year to score four points. Six power play points. Picked up his seventh power play point last night. It took him fifty some odd games to have six power play points last year. So two ends of it with Pavelski. Hints is in there. Didn't play last night. Justin Falk, Andrew Kopp We'll get to in a little bit. Kempe, Bay, yesie We we talked about him a lot on Monday. Um, still not finding the score sheet, but playing with Connor McDavid and, and put a lot of pucks on net. And then Tyler Mott is a guy who who can help you out in those banger leagues. What do you make of Ty Smith at the top? He's an impressive rookie.
1: Oh, for sure. And this year we're not, it's not like last year where you had Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, and Adam Fox as historic rookie, rookie performers. You have uh you're wondering which is the defenseman out there that's a rookie. That is going to become fantasy relevant. Is it Romanov from the Canadians? Is it Ty Smith, which he has been the best so far among rookie defensemen, or is it maybe Bowen Byram from the Avalanche? But he has so many guys in front of him between right Sam Gerard and Kale McCarr and Devon Taves. So I do think that because Smith plays for a you know a hidden gem type team like the Devils, I mean I guess if your league counts plus minus, you're a little bit more concerned investing in a player like from the devils but ty smith uh you know definitely has come a long way in his development over the past year and a half and i think that like getting points in five of your first six nhl games is no joke that never really happens for rookie yeah. defensemen so i think this is a great chance and the devils like they have sammy Vatanen but he's injured right now they have severson who's been there forever Uh, They just have like a glaring hole on their first power play that I think over the course of the season, you could see Ty Smith get a real handle on here. So like if you're looking at down the road this year, beyond these early returns we've seen, maybe he gets first power play and he's out there with uh, Paul Mary and Jack Hughes and then Nico Heischer when he comes back from injury. I like the sound of that. So yeah, Ty Smith, I think is a great short-term ad and the long-term implications could be even better down the road.
0: Yeah, I agree. He's been very impressive, Pete. So far averaging one minute, 35 seconds per game on the power play. So he is getting an opportunity as a rookie, which you don't. See quite often. Last year was different with those three studs that you mentioned on the blue line it was just a historical year. Yeah. Um, so you don't really typically see this kind of stuff from you know rookie defensemen who are getting in there and, and getting a lot of ice time. Um, also on this list, and I saw you picked him up in my keeper league, Andrew Cop. Um, my goodness. So let's let's touch on the trade first before we get into Cop. Pierre Luc Dubois. Patrick Laine, Jack Roselvick, just thrown in. Here you go. Let's throw him in there. Pretty good player in his own right. What did you yeah. make of that blockbuster deal?
1: Well, it was crazy to see. I mean, you look back, they were drafted in the same draft class and they were both top three picks. So like, <laughs> when can you ever remember seeing something like that, especially with two kids in their early twenties, both of them are 22 years old. I mean, we could talk about some big trades in recent years, like Carlson and, and Mark Stone and you know, those didn't have nearly as much in terms of proven talent going on the other way on those trades. And even if you look at like Subban for for Weber years ago, it's like it doesn't even compare. So this is like something really cool to see in the NHL that you don't see very often. Uh, So that was great. But in terms of like upside on their new teams, like I'm looking for Patrick Lyonnais to maybe take the next step in his career and become an individual team leader in forward ice time type thing where he leads them in scoring becomes more of a playmaker than we've seen so far in his career. And in order to do that, he's going to have to mesh with John Tortorella. So Mm. it kind of feels like a boomer bust type thing for Patrick Lyon in Columbus. Like it'll either work out perfectly and he'll become a greater scorer than we've even known him to be to this point, or it could flop and he's in an RFA contract year and then, you know, something could happen down the road where he goes to a different team. So, yeah, that's, I think it's a little bit more risky as far as Patrick Line, As far as Pierre-Luc Dubois, he's that number two bona fide center that they've been coveting for so many years now. So it's Shifley 1C and Dubois 2C. And with the way that Cop and Nikolai Ehlers are playing right now with Paul Stasny, I mean, it just gives the Jets so many options to work with here over the rest of the season. I do think the Jets are more equipped to go on a deep playoff run. Uh, I don't love their defense, but they do have a couple of guys in fantasy that can help you out for sure with Pionk and Morrissey and even when Haynola comes up. So Mm -hmm. I like the long, I like the Jets. I already had the Columbus Blue Jackets as a playoff team because that central division was a little bit on the weaker side, but like I like the Winnipeg Jets for sure As a playoff team, after this trade,
0: yes, you hear that, Maddie. Maddie, best. (laughs) I'm just concerned about Hellebuck. He doesn't look good as he used to. It's the defense. I think Pete nailed it. It's the defense. I get the concerns too, Maddie. I'm just joking here with you, but there's a lot of holes. In this North division, to be honest with you, I mean, Toronto's playing good, Montreal's improved, but after that, we could make, you know, we could talk about the Oilers' defense and their goaltending, we can talk about the Jets' defense, the Canucks' defense, right, At Calgary's, right. you it's, know, hasn't played a ton of games, and Ottawa's got issues themselves, they're rebuilding, right, the expectations are, are not as high, um, yeah, Cop, Stastny, and Ehlers, my goodness, these guys, uh, even last night, we had uh, two goals and four points from Kopp. We had Ehlers with a goal for his fifth straight game. Um, one uh, goal and four points for him last night. On the season, these guys, they've combined for nine goals, and they're flirting with 20 points. They have – Kopp has 25 shots and Ehlers has 24. I thought originally, okay, Pierre-Luc Bois is going to slide in there, and he probably will, but that's a trio that's looked really good. I would like the move from the Jets' standpoint. You said it, Pete. Just deep down the middle, I think – that they're a playoff team too. I think that they're going to get in. I think the Leafs are going to get in. I think the Habs are going to get in. And then it's going to be a dogfight for that fourth spot, whether it is the Oilers, the Flames. Uh, We Mm -hmm. don't have enough time to get into what would happen with Edmonton if they didn't make the playoffs in this division. There would definitely have to be some changes, Pete. Um, And then Columbus. So where do you see maybe Line A fitting in? Because we talked about COP. We talked about... um, you know, Stastny maybe getting downgraded a little bit when Pierre-Luc Dubois gets in there and, you know, the advantage for Kopp to and what he's done lately, just getting a lot of ice time and, and looking just real nice uh, as a player. And then Alexander Texier is somebody that we talked about as well, potentially could getting line A on his wing or Max Domi on his wing. But I watched the Blue Jackets game last night. Also had them in the playoffs. Pete, like their team, like the move. They need some goal scoring. They need yeah. some punch in the power play. It's fine. I know you give up a big center like Pierre-Luc Dubois. is tough, but um, it is risky. Don't know if he's going to stick around there, if that's going to work out with Tortorella. All those questions are certainly um, warranted. But last night, at Bjorkstad, and Jenner looked pretty good. Looked pretty solid. Texe has got four goals, two assists. He's got points in five of his last six. Where do you see Laine fitting in on this team?
1: I think he fits in best. If he could play left wing, he could be their first line left wing, and then on the opposite wing could be either Bjorkstrand or Cam Atkinson, uh, who, you know, has shown some bounce back appeal here uh, the past few games. And we know he's a 40 goal scorer in years past. That's the challenge for Columbus is like on that right side, whether it's line whether it's Bjorkstrand or Atkinson, they have guys that could finish, you know, and have a high shot volume, but can line be the playmaker that, you know, delivers them uh, the goods to finish the job. So I know Line A, since entering the league in 2016-17, is top 10 in goals and also goals per game. So, you know, certainly no fluke at all what he's done. And the past couple of years, he's actually done it, which I think helps to his appeal going to the Blue Jackets, where I said he's going to need to be a standalone performer. He has been playing for, I think, two years now on that second line for the Jets without a great centerman at even strength and away from players like Shifley, Wheeler, and Kyle Connor for the vast majority of the time at five on five. So that shows he could still perform and still uh, round out some other areas to his game, which I think we've seen the past two years, even though his goal-scoring ceiling has dipped a little bit. But yeah, I think that Patrick Laine would be better suited at left wing where the Jackets really don't have a ton of great options um, here and now before this trade and then see him play probably with Domi or Texier up the middle. And then on the right side will be a great option as well with Bjorkstrand or Atkinson.
0: Yeah. And you got to think it helps out Seth Jones and Wierenski and helps out that power play. Yeah. You mentioned it. I mean, ninth in the NHL in goals since he entered the league and has never scored fewer than 28. The guy is a, is an absolute sniper. It's something that they, they certainly needed. Um, The most dropped guys, as we get into the senators and, and their matchup tonight, it's, a, it's full of sense here. Dadnov, Stutzlow, Batherson, Zaitsev's in there. Josh Norris is in there. And you know what, Matt? You are going to be making a top 10 added board this year with all sense. And you'll make it again with all sense drop. This is just yep. the way it's going to be. This is the way it was last year. You know this, Pete. How many times did you talk on, on NHL Fantasy Ice about? Uh, Duclair, most added, most dropped, most added. No, nobody knew what yeah. to do with these Sens. It's part of streaming. You know, the Senators play tonight. There's only two games on Wednesday. If you pick them up, like the Sens and the Blue Jackets, to me, if you're playing season-long... You know you're gonna to have to make those tough decisions on Thursday and Saturday with all those games. It's nice to have somebody on a Wednesday and on a Friday and on a Sunday, and that's what we got here with the Sens and the Blue Jackets. So I think that those guys are sneaky little ads for season long. That's how I try to get the advantage of my opponent just with using those four moves and and attacking those lighter nights in the NHL. But what like what Sen would you hold on to here? Batherson, Dadenoff, Norris, Zaitsev. Are there any sins that are worth hanging on to in your opinion?
1: The one guy that I would not stream, I would just hold on to is uh, Tim Stutzla, the rookie. So, And just because of his upside in general, after how he played in the World Juniors, and I know he just dealt with an injury, but he's now back in the lineup. I expect him to be a big DFS performer, assuming he plays in this rematch against the Canucks. Um, Other than that, yeah, you're just going to see the streaky streaming senators. We'll call them that this year um, <laughs> That's For in terms of uh, season-long value. But DFS caters a lot better to the senators, especially on a night like this after they just got destroyed the other night. They're probably going to be the lowest ownership team out of the four teams in action. And uh, I, I like that angle for the senators, especially considering that North division, no matter who they play, all of those teams are susceptible to giving up four or five goals on any given night. We've even seen it from the, from the Canadians who are as deep as any team in the league right now, two great goalies, a strong defense with three good pairs, and they've still allowed five plus goals to teams like the Maple Leafs and the Vancouver Canucks in some random games this year. So yeah, don't sleep on the senators and DFS. That's where I'm really seeing my value and for season long, like Stutzla is the only one that I'm like married to. I have him in one of my leagues.
0: Yeah. I like that call upside. I I have some Batherson and some Josh Norris in, in deeper format, some salary cap stuff where they're, they're super cheap. I do like that, that top line Batherson looks kind of not, not what I want to compare him to Hughes, but as a guy who looks a little stronger, more confident is a little bit quicker was working out with some, you know, some, some solid players uh, in the East coast um, over the off season. So I'm starting to see a little bit of growth in his game. Other guys on this list, Ryan Graves. I mean, he benefited from playing for kill McCarr. You mentioned Devon Taves. Taves has kind of stepped in to that role. Bowen Byram's in there as well, getting some, uh, more ice time opportunity. Tony D'Angelo is a guy that I would drop. Eric Gossipson a guy that I would drop. Saw Shane Gossespierre get back into the lineup last night. Didn't do a whole lot, but he was the, the bare minimum in DFS and put a couple pucks on net. Um, remember when he was on top yes. of the world, Pete, uh, at one point, Shane Gossespierre. So let's touch on this game a little bit more here tonight. The Vancouver Canucks and the Ottawa Senators, um, you know, both teams have been playing to the over quite often. Uh, you alluded to it. There's been a lot of goals in this North division. Uh, especially on Vancouver, um, you know, heading into the first of three, they had allowed more goals per game than anybody. And the Sens were number three. And then Vancouver really took it to them. They won seven, one Patterson slowly starting to come around. Pete been talking about him maybe uh, as a potential buy low up in the top line again with Besser and Miller. Um, where do you think the goals come from tonight?
1: Well, definitely a safe bet is Bo Horvat, the way that he's been scoring from the playoffs last year when he had double digit goals. Uh, even though the Canucks didn't make the conference final, they almost did. But Horvat is a lineup lock right now for sure in DFS. And he plays with Tanner Pearson and uh, Niels Hoaglander, who I'm really high on. As uh, you know, he's shown some nice flashes here in certain games. Absolutely. The team has been kind of problematic around him, but I feel like he's the bright spot of that team so far, making the team by surprise at a training camp. So I do like that little Horvat-Hoglander stack uh, just to get exposure to Vancouver's top six. Uh, Of course, JT Miller was one of the most valuable fantasy players in the league last year. I know that DFS doesn't count hits, but he brings some serious category coverage regardless in any format and the exposure to Pedersen. So he's a guy that on a small slate like this, Maybe worth spending up for just because you know what he's able to do, but you just haven't quite seen it yet in this particular season. And he did miss those two games. So that kind of probably messed with his flow a little bit. I do think that in, with multiple games here against the Senators, you could expect an outburst for sure in one of these games from Pedersen and JT Miller. So, yeah, and the Canucks really, I mean, talk about buy low appeal, bounce back appeal. I mean, this is you're not going to get any better opportunity than this to turn your season back on track. We saw the seven, one response from them the other day, you know, a couple more opportunities, the rest of the way against the, against the senators, you got to win these games. If you're Vancouver, if you hope to even be in that conversation, what we were saying for that fourth spot with teams like Edmonton and Calgary, I mean, those teams are looking better than they are. So they got to win these games. They got to win the gimme games here.
0: I I had Vancouver in, uh, I'm not ready to give up on them yet. I I do feel like there's some issues. Uh, They definitely have some, but you know, Brandon Sutter has been a nice player for them. A couple shorties, I believe he has a couple you know, highlight reel goals over the past couple games. He's been really good. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's been at least seven goals scored in Vancouver's games in five straight contests and every game, but one, right. Seven of eight, there's been a lot of, a lot of offense. I like it. I'm here for it. I'm fine with it. The goalies may not like it. The coaches may not like it, Uh, but I am certainly here for it on Monday. I said, Vancouver in the over, I'm going to lean with that again. It's six and a half minus half minus one fifty. I like the Canucks to win the game. If you don't want to go with the over, you can, you can just get them in straight up. I'm not seeing any Quinn Hughes shot props. He was plus money at two and a half. If you can find that guys, I still like it. Maybe one and a half shots. Um, he's just putting the puck on that. He's getting a lot of ice time there. And I, I usually go with, just go back and forth between Brock Besser and Bo Horvat for the, the over two and a half shot props, Pete, but uh, plus money for Pedersen tonight, two and a half plus half plus one fifteen. I think I could certainly get on board with that. And then it's just anybody's guessing game with the Sens. I don't want to be a cop out here, but I was looking at natural stat trick five on five, their forward lines. There was 11 different combinations at five on five in their last game. You and I talked about it before we came on. It's probably something we're going to see quite often from this Senators team. Um, the last game on the slate here, it's uh, these two teams played last night, Chicago and Nashville. We had uh, Nashville Nashville back late. Um, they got the tying goal late, and then they got the Yossi overtime winner. Our very own Eric Young was at that game last night, sent me a video. He's like, not a lot of fans here, and the hockey is a little sloppy, but he enjoyed himself. He got the win at the end. What do you see in the in the rubber match, or I guess not rubber match, the second half of the the doubleheader?
1: Well, yeah, that was a big performance from ne- from Nashville's top player with that game on the line and Yossi. And going into yesterday, we were a little worried about Yossi in our defenseman rankings. I mean, not really everybody behind him was drastically outperforming him, but when you start seeing value deeper down the line and you see, you know, some some weird names like obviously Petrie has been a stud. You know, you never would have expected him to be more valuable than Yossi to this point. But you see guys like even Larista Linen and some of these yeah. other guys, of course, the guys on Colorado outperforming him to this point. So and sometimes with those other teams, you could say, um, I trust those teams a lot more than I trust Nashville offensively. And that's that's what I would echo here. But, you know, again, it was a favorable matchup for the Preds. They got it done. That's another team that had their confidence kind of disrupted a little bit by the canceled games. They looked really good early on in the season then had a little bit of a hiatus and then got their doors blown off by the Dallas stars uh, last weekend. So I think they have to just like regain their confidence here. Nashville really should be in that mix with teams like Columbus and teams like the Florida Panthers for that fourth and final spot in the central division. So Um, I think that the Predators are a good play here. And uh, I just have too many concerns with the Blackhawks uh, outside of, you know, Patrick Kane. And even Kane's linemate, Debrinkit, is is out with the COVID-19 protocol. So that's unfortunate for them. Boquist is out as well. So, you know, just on top of the defensive holes and maybe the weakest goaltending in the league this year uh, on paper, you see a couple of key guys missing for Chicago. So that worries me.
0: Yeah, yes yesterday over at FCN with our stream we were we were on the three props and we had Roman Yossi over the shot prop and Arvinson and Forsberg just got there. And even though Yosi got the goal and it, it just really wasn't enough from those three stars and taking a look at the five on five numbers, it really was, I mean, they dominated Chicago. It really was that second unit of Grandland, Duchesne and Kunin who who had a pretty solid hockey game. Uh, I'm taking a look at the top 25 defensemen on Yahoo. You're right. There's some guys in here like Schultz is 7%, Romanoff it wants to be called Romanoff, 51%. Uh, Taves in there, 51%. Muzzin, 53%. Justin Falk, 39 There's a few guys in there that are widely available in leagues that are off to hot starts. Don't sell Jeff Petrie, people. He's he's usually a, a top 20 defenseman in leagues with hits and shots. He, he does a lot this for you um, there. Um, you know Patrick Kane, zero shots last night, Pete? I took a look last night, wow. and how many times he had zero shots last year? Twice. Only two games with zero shots. The last time he had zero shots, he bounced back with seven. The night before, I don't know if he's going to shoot the bucket ton, but yeah, his linemates are are not great. Uh, I will go with the Preds. I like Nashville and the under. Um, I just, as much as I want to see this team get going offensively, I'm still not sold there completely, and I don't have a lot of faith in the Blackhawks to do their part. So Nashville in the under, Vancouver in the over. Uh, I I'm still going to take some shots here on, on some overs Yossi over three and a half plus 100, you know, 26 minutes last night. I know that game went to overtime. He's still probably going to get a lot of minutes. Uh, not going to go with Kane over three and a half, even though, as I said, he bounced back the last time he had zero, but you know, Strom one and a half shots. Anytime I see a one and a half and it's not juiced up to minus 200, I'll get involved there. So Dylan Strom one and a half, I can get behind that. And if you can find Arvidsson anywhere, two and a half, he's a, a volume shooter. Pete, always a pleasure, man. On the way out, you want to touch on your podcast or any final words from you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Check out NHL Fantasy on Ice, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify on YouTube as well now this season. So we're excited about that. And we're rolling Monday, Wednesday, Friday this season. We cover season-long fantasy, a little bit of sports betting and DFS. So we can answer your questions and kind of do a little cross promotion here over the course of the season, Chris. So yes. we're, we're excited, uh, you know, to be on the show with you here and, you know, to follow up with it on the podcast and hopefully have you on soon in, in the future as well.
0: I would love that. Absolutely. At NHL Jensen, make sure you give Pete a follow again, two games tonight, guys, Vancouver and the over Nashville and the under get involved with some of those shot props on the pred side. And just on the two game slate, I have no problem spending up for a guy like Yossi or Hughes and maybe like Pete said, Oaklander, you know, save some cast with him. Um, you can save some, save some cast with Kunin as well uh, from Pete Jensen, myself, Chris Meaney, uh, rate, review, subscribe, leave a comment, and we will talk to you guys on Friday. Have a good one.